I want to share this morning the parable of the wheat and the tares. As we set the scene here of the sower and his seed, the scene of the tares that grow up in the wheat, the disturbed servants and their suggestions. There's a, there's a lot to consider here in this parable. So in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 24, Jesus tells this parable of the weeds. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while the man slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Just stopping there just for a second. That sounds like some of our lives. <laughs> we, do, we do the right things and how the enemy just comes in and just tries to destroy everything that you've put in place with the help of the Lord. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather the tares, ye root up also with the wheat with them. Let both go, grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest will I say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. <clears throat> but gather the wheat unto my barn. <clears throat> now, if you move down to verse 36, Jesus explains the parable of the weeds. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered unto them, saying, He that soweth good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed, the children of the kingdom. But the tares are of the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Also, therefore, the tares are gathered and burned in the field, or in the fire. So shall it be at the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all the things that offended, and them that which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be a wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath, who hath ears, let him hear. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, this morning, let these words speak to our hearts. Let us see the diligence of, Father, gathering men for the harvest. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. So, there are three things I want to look at this morning. The first thing I want to look at is the Lord in his eternal purpose. He that soweth good seeds is the son of man. Jesus gives the meaning of this parable. In fact, all the parables in this chapter teach us about God and his kingdom. They explain what the kingdom is really like, as opposed to our expectations of it. The kingdom of heaven is not a geographic location, but a spiritual realm where God rules where we will share in his eternal life. We join the kingdom when we come to Christ as our Savior. You see, there we're living in a world full of people who are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. People who are living for the moment. People who are just trying to gather all the things that they can get for themselves and, and not putting the Lord in account. But see... God's children, God's people, they aren't looking out for just themselves. We're not selfish people looking out just for us, but we're looking out for the world as a whole. We should be going into the highways and the byways, and we should be compelling them to come into the house of God. What are we doing to get rid of all the, 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 the weeds in our life, what are we doing to get rid of the evil that surrounds us? One, we should be praying. Two, we should be sharing the word of God. Because hearts can't be changed unless we're sharing the full gospel of Jesus Christ. People aren't willing to change. People aren't willing to want to know. I had a conversation with a young man this week. And we were talking about the kingdom of God. And he said, I don't believe. I said, what, what don't you believe? I don't believe in God. I love those kind of people. I really do. Because that just sparks the little, little cylinders in my heart to just commence the sharing. If there's ever a time you don't want to be quiet is when somebody says they don't believe. That's when you got the opportunity. That's when you have the privilege of sharing the greatest news that we've ever been given on the face of this earth. We have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. So my conversation then moves into, well, where do you think all this stuff came from? Who do you think made all these things? Who do you think, where do you think these trees came from and the fish and the water and the, the deer that run through the woods and, and all these? Where do you think all this came from? I said, God made it. He said, no. My dad told me 
that these atoms came together and bang, and, and all this stuff began to grow, and all these things began to happen, and through all these atoms and molecules in space, and he just began to go, and I just let him go. And he was all proud of himself. I said, you know what? I'm going to be on your side. That really makes good sense. He said, it does? I said, yeah. I said, I'll be on your side if you can just tell me one thing. And you got to be able to prove it to me. He said, what's that? I said, where'd those two atoms come from? Right? I said, where did the two atoms come from? Where did the molecules come from? He said, I don't know. I said, so you've got to be able to prove to me how in seven days those two atoms came together and put together everything that we have. He said, well, it didn't take, it, it would have had to have taken millions of years. I said, no. I said, the word of God says seven days. I said, so you've got to prove to me how all this happened in seven days. He said, well, I don't know how to tell you where the atoms came from. I said, I can tell you. He said, where? I said, God. Well, I'm going to have to think about this. I said, you do that. You do that. I said, when you come up with an answer, I'll be, I'll be glad to sit down and, and listen to you. Prove this theory that you're going on. I said, there are a lot of knowledgeable people in the world. But there are a lot of knowledgeable people in the world that are filled with evil. Their thoughts aren't right. Their theories aren't right. You see, the only theory I have to live by church is the Word of God. It's the only theory I have. And I can only go by what it says because it's the only thing that makes sense. I can't possibly fathom in my mind this, this big bang theory. And I told him, I said, I refuse to believe that I came from an ape. I said, now, if that's where you want to think about your mom, your, your great-grandpappy or grandmammy or, or your super greats or your super, super greats or whatever, and you want to think they were apes, you go ahead and believe that. I said, but I don't believe that. I said, because God created man from the dust of the earth. God created man from what he made. I said, where did the atoms come from? That's all you have to answer. I said, I don't have to get that deep. I don't have to get that. Sick because God's already told me how this all came about. The field is the world. The field is the world. The, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are of the wicked one. There, there are people in our lives who are trying to destroy everything we know to be good and wholesome and holy. And the world is trying to do a, a good job at destroying things. 
the Lord's purpose and his use of man. I think of the cross and the disciples and the commission, even the persecution and its purpose when you look in Acts chapter 8. Persecution forced the Christians out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria, thus fulfilling the second part of Jesus' command to go into the highways and the byways. If there was not the persecution in Jerusalem, would the gospel have even spread? But see, God makes good come out of everything that happens. You know, sometimes we don't see it. I think sometimes we don't want to see it. It's true of the plagues of Egypt. It's true of Israel and its preservation in Deuteronomy 29.6 when he says, Ye have not eaten bread, neither have ye drank wine or strong drink, that ye might know that I am the Lord God. But when we begin to look at verses 25 through 30, we begin to see the sinner and his eternal prediction. The tares growing up and their characteristics. Just like the wheat in the early stages, it's, it's bearing fruit. They couldn't tell what the weeds were at first. But as they both began to grow together, they began to be able to see the difference. See, that's the difference in our world today. There are people who go to church to put on a facade. But yet when they go to work, they're a whole different person. They're like a weed. They're wicked. They, they chime in with the world. They agree with the worldly things. But when they come to church, they're a whole different person. And those same kind of people try to influence you into thinking their way. But I'm telling you, there's only one way Christians can think, and that's the way of the Word, the, the way of the Word of God. We can't think of the ways of the world. We can't try to fit into the world because the gospel says that we're set apart from the world. Church, you've been set apart. You've been called. You've been selected to be one of the elect of Jesus Christ. But be careful because the word of God says, even the very elect shall be deceived. There are people who know the word, but they'll be deceived. I'm telling you, put on your armor. Put on the full armor of God. And don't be deceived by the worldly things. This I say. Walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's told to us in Galatians 5, 16 through 23. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, and sinfulness. And he goes on, he talks about all these things that the world drives into you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and good faith. You see, we should be producing good fruit. We should not be producing the bad fruit, which I just shared with you. 
but producing good fruit. Love, joy, and peace. How many have love, joy, and peace? I love it. When I begin to think about having the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God. All these things produce good fruit in us. Then Matthew 25, 31 through 46 begins to talk about the judgment. Because Jesus says in there, depart from me, ye cursed. There is a judgment coming where Jesus is going to judge all when he takes us all, when he gathers us all together. We're all going to be judged. And then I begin to think about in verse 26 and 43 where the Christians and the eternal prize, one in whom the seed of the world has longed for, those who receive God's favor stand in bright contrast to those who receive his judgment. And similar illustrations is used in Daniel 12.3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the ferment. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Many people strive to shine as stars in the transient world that we live in, in entertainment, as these superstar basketball players and baseball players and football players and singers and actors. They, they all get into these positions where they, 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 they try to influence the rest of the world. But I'm telling you, we have to be careful. We can't allow their influence to be our influence. The Word of God has to be our influence every single day and every single action that we take. People see Jesus in you. God tells us how we can be eternal stars by turning many to God's righteousness. If we share our Lord with others, we can be true stars, radiant and beautiful in the sight of God. Or we could choose not to. I know there are a lot of people out there that, that are Christian, good, God-fearing people. But when it comes to sharing Jesus Christ, they're very timid. They're afraid of the rejection. They're afraid of the words that might be spoken to them. But we have to remember, they hated Jesus Christ, so therefore they're going to hate us. So if they're going to hate you, share it anyway. What do you got to lose? Nothing. But we have everything to gain when a heart turns to God. We have so much to gain. He is now a good seed, a living apostle. The Christian's privilege is to bring forth fruit. We must die to ourself. To gain. Verily, verily, I see in John 12, 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This is a beautiful picture of the necessity of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Unless a grain of wheat is buried, it can't bear a blade. 
See, Jesus had to die to pay the penalty for our sin, but also to show his power over death. His resurrection proves he, is, he has eternal life. You see, we must abide in Christ and he in you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. We have to abide in Christ. You see, life is too short to think of all the alternatives, the what ifs. Somebody says, oh, they, they begin to express something to you, something nice, and then they throw in that word, but. There's the alternative, you see. But in Christ's word, he alone is our Savior. For he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we have, an, we have a, a privilege, we have an opportunity to be able to have this relationship with our Lord. Christ appeals to the individual. Some will be lost. The question is, will it be you? Some will be fruitful. Will it be you? Some will shine as the sun. Will it be you? You see, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You see, God draws all men unto him. They have the privilege of either accepting or not accepting. We have all come to that place in our life. We have all come in this church, come to that crossroads where we had to make a determination to accept or not accept. I'm so thankful this morning that each one of you, I know in this room, have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I know there are many that may be watching this morning that are, that are, are on, the, on the balance of having to make that decision. I'm telling you, the only decision to make is the right one. And the only right choice we can make is to serve our Jesus. To recognize him as our Lord and our Savior. I can't help but think about the hundreds of thousands of people that are dying today and going to a, a burning, fiery pit. Because when that crossroad came in their life, they chose the alternative. There's only one alternative for me, and that's the cross. That's Jesus Christ. That's my only alternative. And church, we have to get this across to the world that we live in. It's becoming more corrupt day by day. The enemy is working harder and faster than he ever has before. Why? Because I believe our time is getting shorter and shorter. I know that the Lord's going to come any time. So therefore, we must be more diligent about the Lord's cause, about the Lord's work, about reaching out to those that you know 
Our friend told Virginia on the phone yesterday that she was not afraid to die. You see, for the Christian, there's nothing to fear in death. Because to close your eyes on this side of heaven is to wake up on that side of heaven. Hallelujah. So you're right. There is nothing to fear about death. The sadness comes to think about those that you're leaving behind. Those that are going to still be here. And that is hard. That's hard for a lot of people. Especially if you've lost somebody very close to you. It's hard to comprehend. But the promise, the hope that is instilled in the church is for us to to understand that we live in a world full of tares. You see, you're the wheat. And every time you share the gospel, you're planting more seeds. You see, our, our responsibility is to, is to plant the seed. God does the watering. God takes care of the rest. We need to get the seed out there. We had that privilege. We had that opportunity. When we went and gave out some pens and some masks, we got comments on those. Matter of fact, I was looking at the website the other day. There's a lady on there, and her name is Linda. She said, you don't know me. But several months ago, you were in a park, and you gave us a pen and a mask to my family. She said, we live in north of Okeechobee Boulevard. Pray that me and my husband will find a church close to us. Your pen is right. Jesus loves us. How many months has it been since we've done that? And if it's just that one couple that comes to Jesus Christ, it was worth it all. You see... The little, it's the little things that we do that impact the world. It makes a difference. This is why we have to be diligent in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought that was me, but I left my phone at home. Hallelujah. I didn't mean to. I just did by accident. Jesus is calling. Are you ready to answer? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for this parable. Lord, I pray this morning, help us to be the strong wheat. Help us to dispel all the tares that are around us. Father, help us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in. Lord, for there's much to do and the time is short. And I pray, God, that you will give us the boldness, the encouragement, the diligence, Father, to get out there and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Because, Lord, it's you we have to be thankful for and all that you do in our lives. Lord, help us to be that bold servant. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these things that we ask this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let us stand together.